Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and this week's episode features Georgia-based artist Ryan Benefield. Ryan specializes in clean-cut murals and logos for the beer industry. He started his business during the COVID shutdown and went full-time not long after. He's since built himself a very profitable art business through the process of utilizing the relationships he built at his previous place of employment. Ryan's self-awareness allows him to play up to his strengths and hire out his weaknesses in a way that both saves time and headaches, even in his first few years of business. Ryan's a member of our Artist Academy Master's Program and a great example of how surrounding yourself with upper-level artists can level up your own art business. So let me know what you think about this week's episode with Ryan Benefield. Ryan, hello. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, so my name is Ryan Benefield. I'm located about 30 miles north of Atlanta in Georgia. And yeah, so I've been doing artwork now for in the mural side since 2011. So for a little bit, but just recently went full-time almost a year ago to the date. So right at the beginning of May of last year. Yeah, so I've been going back and forth with leading up to this of dabbling in some murals here and there. Uh, I went to fine art school at Kennesaw State University with a degree with a concentration in drawing and painting and started doing some murals when I was in school there. My first one was actually in the alcohol industry, which leans heavily into where I am now. But so my first mural gig ever was with Jack Daniels. So that was definitely a good name to put on the resume to get started in that industry. And that led to another and started doing some with some other well-known spirit brands throughout the area. Continued doing that all through school, graduated 2015. And at that point, I was doing the murals, making a decent amount here and there, but nothing enough to really be sustainable. So I went and got a job in the alcohol industry, uh, working for a local brewery here in Atlanta, um, running their taproom and tour events that they had. Started doing murals for that particular brewery, and that continued to grow. Started getting more of a name for myself in the Atlanta market, particularly in the beer business of being one of the go-to muralists for the different local breweries. And then I ended up going from there into the sales side of the beer industry. I ended up selling beer for seven and a half years. The beauty of that is that it enabled me to get a lot of really good contacts in that industry. So a lot of the bar managers, a lot of the wholesale partners, um, and then the owners and sales reps of the particular breweries and distilleries themselves, uh, I became really good friends with over those years. And now I've sort of locked myself into that little niche of the market of doing a ton of alcohol brand specific logos in the area, primarily in the Southeast, um, between Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, and the Carolinas a little bit. And then as of recently, I've actually gotten in more into some bigger projects working with some larger scale signage companies, doing bigger projects of sports stadiums, parking decks for apartment complexes, and then some other really cool projects as well through, through that outlet. Awesome. And so how are these people hiring you? Do you do you reach out to them or do they see your stuff on Instagram or how does that yeah. work? So really 95% of the work that I get now has all been through networking, through word of mouth. Like I said, with me being in the beer side, I got a lot of really good contacts through my time spent there. So it's really fortunately for me, a lot of the work comes directly to me. 
um, as opposed to me having to reach out and really source out a lot of the work. Um, and even with those signage companies, like one of the contacts I have through one of those was a guy that I used to work with when I was in college. He now works for a major sign company. And then another one was a spouse of someone in the beer industry worked in the sales side of another signage company, got me in contact with them. And so networking has been the biggest key. I do dabble a little bit with Thumbtack. I haven't had a lot of success with it. The projects I have been able to land with it have been decent and worthwhile. But overall, it, it seemed like it was sort of like a slow bleed until you finally got a, a decent project out of it. So I haven't really dabbled too much in Thumbtack. I tend to turn my notifications and my accessibility off on there more than not. <laughs> I got you. Okay, so relationships are yeah. the main way you've got. That's awesome. It's so funny because sometimes I look back on future or past careers and jobs and I'm like, oh, it was really just a building block. But you don't even know until you're until nowadays you're like, oh, now I'm benefiting from that. But back in the day, so I guess this is kind of a lesson on wherever you are at your current job, be careful because your coworkers or your boss or your who whatnot, they could be hiring you later. So maybe don't go out with a bang. Well, and on that note too, I've definitely learned a long time ago, do not burn bridges because (laughs) some of my previous employers, A, they were gracious enough to let me continue doing murals on the side of my full-time sales gigs. But B, they're some of my top clients now. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. What big names too? How lucky is that to be in an industry where you can put those big names on your resume? So d- having those big names, does that help you get new jobs? It definitely adds to the credibility. So when I have that published on my Instagram or on my website, and I send people to that or they've, I've talked to them and I've described what murals around town that I've done, they're like, oh, I'm really familiar with that branded one that I saw on the side of that restaurant. Knowing that I've worked with those larger brands has definitely helped give me more credibility and moving forward with the process. Awesome. So there's, I can already hear this because some of my students, they love to be creative and they love to, you know, just paint from the heart. And I think there's a style of art and work out there for every artist, but kind of talking about, so me and you are more on the, I will paint for a big paycheck. I don't really care what it is. And I love just logos and straight lines, plug in a podcast and go. But a lot of artists, they want to be, they want to have full creative control and have their imagination come out. Can you speak on maybe the benefits of maybe giving up a little bit of that creativity, but doing more work of what you do? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, and I think leading into that too, is I noticed and took... No, essentially a long time ago that that creative aspect wasn't really my strong suit. Even when I was in school, I was always much better at painting like live landscape and figurative paintings versus coming up with the conceptual aspects of it. I used to knock on myself a lot where I would consider myself more of an artist than an artist. But just being able to execute what I saw and replicate pretty much anything that I came across. But in terms of like coming up with that super original creative idea, that wasn't necessarily my strong suit. So a while back, I just got to the point to where, as opposed to fighting that aspect of it, I just leaned into the ability that, you know, someone can just provide me with artwork, tell me what wall they want it on, and be able to just go from there and put it up and just make that really what I enjoy doing and leaning into the strengths versus the weaknesses. I love that because I've had a lot of conversations with artists where they see that 
as a weakness and they want to work on it. They think that they're a broken artist in a way. They're like, I'm not creative. I just didn't feel, I don't feel like I fit in with most artists that just, you know, inspiration comes to them at lunch. And so I like that take on it. You're just using your strengths instead of just trying to make all the weaknesses better. And I think to I can relate a lot and I have a hard time coming up with the creative stuff too. It really takes like getting into the zone and it's it's work to do that. And sometimes when somebody's like, I don't have an idea, just let me know what you want and maybe make, you know, and they give me some outlines of the project and I'm just like sitting there at my iPad like what do I do? <laughs> like, okay, give me more direction where I think some artists would be like, they don't want any direction at all. So yeah. So anyway, I'm just echoing your point of it's great to lean into your strengths there. And I think you're able to capitalize on it more, right? Yeah. And I was saying a big part too is, I mean, I've gotten to the point now to where when those projects do arise to where I need to do like this custom generated mock-up, so forth like there i'm either now contracting that out to other artists to do that design work for me or um started using the ai resources to start doing ai generated artwork to help with that aspect of it just so i'm not just sitting there turning my wheels at procreate trying to draw something up that i'm probably going to change over 10 different times uh, just really get like a nice good base to it add that in as my part of my fees as the design services and then move forward from there Okay, tell me more about this. What's What exactly do you do? <laughs> yeah, so as of now, I've got a small network of artists that basically, especially when it comes to the beer side of things right now, if they're wanting like a flow of hops and barley on the side of this building, like one of the projects I'm actually starting on this week, I reach out to some artists that I know that do really good, either can art for certain breweries or there's certain styles that I've seen that I really like. And I'll reach out to them, get them to price it per hour for them to go through and do the design services on it. And then just send me an invoice once we get everything approved. That's amazing. <laughs> you're, you're like, okay, this is so much not my strength. I'm really not even going to shed a tear on this or, you know, or sweat on it at all. I'm going to hire it out. That is such a boss move. I love yeah, it. So, like I said, I, as of now, I still don't officially have any employees, but like I said, I've got some, a really good core of artists that I've been working with that have been pumping out some killer work for me. That's awesome. Okay. Tell us more about what you do and all the things. Just keep talking. <laughs> yeah. So as mentioned, like I said, probably about 80% of the projects I do are alcohol related. So typically, like if you go see into a bar or restaurant and you see a brewery logo on a wall, or if you see any specific thing like on the side of a restaurant or in a downtown area, that's a lot of what I do. So I've been doing that. I've also started in the past couple of years, taken up doing custom chalkboards for like beer of the month programs of going through and like with different restaurant groups and throwing that same logo on at four or five different locations and got it to where pretty much every month I know the first week of the month, I'm knocking all those out. That's a guaranteed payday for me. Basically covers my truck cost for my truck payment for the month, knowing that I've got like that one chalkboard job coming up every single month. So being able to build up that repeat business and then when these breweries and wholesalers get their marketing dollars, it's a great way for them to go through and partner and get this out there as a nice form of advertising. So usually when they have a campaign, there's usually they want to do it multiple spots of different sort of things with that same brand, whether it's in that quarter or whatever, they've got that those marketing dollars to spend. So I'll go out and with one particular brewery and do five or six different murals at some of their top accounts throughout the city and just know that I can just build those up one after the other. 
Awesome. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it seems like you have a pretty good niche going on. And so when did you go from beer sales into working for yourself? And how was that transition? Like, did you just up and quit one day and you're like, I'm going to be an artist? So fortunately, I have a very supportive wife. And she also happens to work in the alcohol industry as well. So obviously, I have a lot in conversation when we would talk about the different projects I had going on. But she would see what I was doing of basically running two full-time jobs at a certain point. So really, for the, about two, two and a half years ago, I was doing my nine to five, essentially. And really, COVID was a big influence to get me moving in this direction. So I would do my sales gig from that nine to five. And then after that, I'd be painting. And with COVID, it made it to where obviously restaurants were hard to get to. So a lot of those brands that I work with, they had marketing budgets that were already approved, but didn't have anywhere to really utilize them because there wasn't as much going out into the market for them. So they rechanneled a lot of those funds into doing these projects for when these restaurants did open up that it was rebranded had a good showing at the different locations. And so probably around July, August of 2020, my business really started to pick up. And those last few months of that year, I was like, man, like I've already like tripled what I've done in some previous years. And then 2021 came around. I'm like, wow, I've doubled what I did last year. And then 2022 came around and I tripled going into full time of what I did the previous year. And it's just been compounding ever since and just made it to where it didn't make sense for me to have two full-time jobs doing that. So I picked the one where I was working for myself. Awesome. So awesome. And then you were offered a job afterwards, right? A pretty well-paid job. Yeah. So shortly after I went full-time, probably about three or four months after I sort of left the beer industry, one of the local breweries reached out to me and inquired about a marketing role to see if I might be interested in. And it was a very enticing role, even though I had already made that decision to work for myself and go full-time on my own. It was a six-figure salary that was very... It pulled at the strings a lot and made me really sit down and evaluate the direction I wanted to go with my next couple of years. And ultimately, I decided... After talking to my wife, of course, we both decided that what I have going on right now is some of the projects I have coming in and the momentum I have that there's no need to take a job to where I'm going to be working 12 to 14 hours a day, sacrificing family life, and basically not being able to do the things I want to do for the money versus being able to work for myself, make my own schedule. I have a seven-month-old at the moment. So like being able to have the flexibility for his appointments and whatever I need to do, like that alone made it to where it wasn't worth that guaranteed income. And it made me a little bit more driven to really put the hammer down this year and start getting leaning into those bigger paying jobs. And at this point, I'm close to or I'm on track to hopefully beat what that job offer was for. That's awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's such a, a future casting, just looking at the long game, I guess, kind of a thing. And I know for myself, if I was in that position too, taking on a six-figure salary, even early on, that would be very enticing (laughs) because that's really, I mean, in my head, I was like, I want to make six figures one day. And that's why I wanted to go work and try to figure it out. But if somebody just laid it on a platter, like, here you go, like, well, you can make six figures this way. And it's just, it's one that you don't have to, you know, jump through as many hoops in the beginning. I don't know. (laughs) Like, I would have really 
thought about it, but long, long game. I think you made the right decision. I think you know that yeah. too. <laughs> I think everybody's clapping for you. They're like, oh, yay. <laughs> okay. In voting for yourself recently, you just landed a big project too. That's right. It's going to take up much of your year, but also get you pretty close to that. <laughs> Yeah, That's so cool. I took on a project that just got approved, and I'm very excited about this. So it'll be a project that should start either August or September, and they want the first half of it done by the end of the year. So it's going to end up being probably about an eight-month project to complete. So it is a basically a big commercial lot where they have about 15 buildings on the property. So I'll be doing all the directional signage, putting the names on lettering on all the doors, all the sides of the buildings indicating what each building is. And it's going to be a very hefty project. But I mean, this project alone, my goal for what I had planned for this year, this is going to put me at 80% of that goal with just this one project. Can you share the number for that? So this one particular project, the I mean, obviously there's a lot of costs associated with the paint and everything else that's in it, but the total invoiced amount is going to be just under 125000 Woo! <laughs> and I think all those artists that are like, I want to be creative are like, wait, 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 I might, I might paint a logo. <laughs> yeah. Just with that. <laughs> and the beauty is that I'm actually in the process of pricing out an additional wall on this property for them too. That's going to be a lot more complex and could turn out to be another six-figure project of just that one wall. That's crazy. That's amazing, though. That one wall, we're looking at something that's going to be 42 foot tall by about 270 foot long. Wow. What are they wanting on it? It'll be the company logo and some sort of a geometric pattern design going throughout the entire space. That's amazing. Are you hiring people for this? So I'm waiting to hear the full time frame as to like the deadlines that they want for the, the overall project. But I will be looking to bring on some help for some of these for sure. That's awesome. Look at you go. Now you have your own painting company. And <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's one of those things that like you don't realize like how quickly things can escalate. And you're like, yeah, I'm a one man job, blah, blah, blah. I can knock all this out. And then you start getting these kinds of projects and you're like, Okay, I've got, I'm already outsourcing some artwork for some projects. I'm now going to have to probably, I'm looking into getting commercial painters to come out just to do like base coat priming and base coats on some of these walls just to help with that process of it. So it's starting to just delegate more versus all hands on painting. <laughs> what, what do you think about that? Because I, when I first started doing that and having people, you know, not, not necessarily have like employees, but just hiring people out, it's a different thing. It's like, I kind of like just showing up and not having anybody else that I rely on, but it's also kind of nice to have somebody else do the work that's simpler and you can get it done quicker. What's your take on it? It is definitely a double-edged sword. I love being able to just do everything and like have it done the way I want and not having to sort of manage other people with that. It's like my last job I had in the beer business, I, I was a manager over a couple of other employees and it wasn't my favorite. I like being able to stay in my lane, manage my own projects and just be able to stay on top of myself without any other expectations. But now it's getting to the point where I also hate doing admin work. So getting close to looking to hire that part out. And it's a very tearing of the heartstrings to like start piecing out some of these other parts of the project. But I know that it's going to save me a huge headache in, in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great way to look at it. And yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think like when hiring people, it's great if it goes smoothly. But then once there's like a hiccup, you know, everything. So like I had a guy out 
doing a project and he spilled paint and I'm like, dang it. <laughs> like, like it just kind of, and it can be fixed and it's fine. But I'm like, oh man, just like little things like that. Like, eh. yeah, like I've had a few helpers so far with some of the projects that I've had. And overall, I mean, the experience has been great, but definitely like the first couple of times I did it, I didn't think about more so the teaching aspect of it. And it was more of like me actually like bringing them on to just help me get this project done quicker. And you're like, okay, some of these people have never even rolled paint on a wall before. So you got to show them how to like cut the edges and then how to roll it properly. And like just the step-by-step of like, I, I would come back and be like, oh, this is nowhere near where I thought it would be at this point. You're like, okay, so this is how you can do this and speed up the process. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely a learning curve when it comes to that, that I realized. The speed thing. Yeah. Because sometimes I'm like, I'll, I'll even send someone to go out and do a job on their own. I'm like, okay, at the end of the day, let me know where, where you've gotten. I'll, I'll come the next day to finish it up. And they're like barely halfway through in one day. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should have explained better. Showed you. I just, it's hard to judge someone else's speed too. That's a hiccup that I've, I've had multiple times. Because <laughs> yeah, you forget sometimes that like with myself, like I've now been doing this for like going on 12 years. So it's like, there's a lot that I've learned along the way and things that I've done the long way plenty of times before I've now realized a more efficient way of doing it. And you just got to put yourself in those shoes of like, they may have not gone through those trials and tribulations yet to learn the hard way and to understand that there is a much easier way of doing this. Yeah, for sure. Is it most of your stuff is exterior? Is it like... It really just varies. So probably about 60% of what I do is usually interior. But it seems like it's more and more starting to trend exterior as of late, at least. I gotcha. So have you tried the Graco sprayer yet? Yes. So I've got, I think it's the uh, the X5 sprayer that they have. Do you love um, it? I do. So I've, only, I've only used it for one project so far. And it was a container bar that I did. And so I'd use that for the base coat to initially paint the backing of the container bar. And something like this, with all that corrugated metal, I was like, this is going to take forever. Literally clean up, set up everything. I was done in an hour. <laughs> I love it. And it only took one coat to cover the entire thing. So that's masking the edges, everything. Like literally it took, probably took me 15 minutes to actually spray it once I got everything set up. Yeah. Sprayers are magical. So <laughs> I will be using it a lot with this new project I've got coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I ran into a guy who was spraying um, this old Hardy's building. And I was like, how long is this going to take you? He's doing the outside, like the roof, the inside, everything. He's like, well, I've got the sprayer. So like, I don't know, like a total of five days, but well, I tell, I tell him two weeks because of the rain and stuff. I'm like, what? <laughs> I will say yeah. that's definitely something that I've learned more and more to take into consideration when you're planning out uh, dates for these exterior murals is that everything is weather dependent. Yeah, so true. Yeah, I'm actually working on a project now and it rained the last couple of days. And so I'm like, I'll be out there Monday. <laughs> like, Sorry, I can't come right now. <laughs> yeah, like I, I've usually now, especially if I'm having to travel for any of these paintings, like if I'm going a state over for it, is I'll give them like three sets of dates of consecutive weeks of like, oh, I'll do like, like it's only gonna take like two days to do this painting, but it could, I'm looking at like this Monday, Tuesday, the following Monday, Tuesday, or the Monday, Tuesday after. And it's really just going to be weather dependent. Oh, I like that. Even anticipating the weather. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Cause typically what I've done in the past is I'll just have it all blocked out this week is for that. That's for that. And then when it gets messed up, I'm like having to switch things around and like, like oh, how can I, I fit just... this back in? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's so smart. Anticipating that things could go wrong. Not once, but twice. <laughs> yeah. 
but so smart. Okay. So I guess let's just talk a little bit about the mental shift that you had to make going from quitting your day job, working a nine to five to now being your own boss and now boss of boss type thing. When you were quitting, did you give them like a two weeks notice type thing? I gave them a month's notice. Nice. Oh, that's a good employee. <laughs> so especially the fact that I was in a little bit of a higher role with the company is I knew that they were going to have to probably backfill my role, which was going to be harder to do in the first place as opposed to an entry level role, but also help convert everyone over that was reporting to me. Like all the relationships we had at different accounts and programs we had set up, make sure everything was really dialed in so where I could just literally just hand them some files over and be like, this is everything we have going in the next six months. Just make sure to follow up with it. Yeah. Okay. I guess, is there anything else you want to add? Any kind of tips that you have for aspiring artists who maybe want to do what you do? Because a lot of artists that listen to this, they want to go full-time one day and they want to make money with their art and they're just looking to figure out how to do that. Yeah. So a big thing that I would have to say is that be honest with your pricing, that depending on like what actually goes into the job, like there's a lot of fears a lot of times where like, I think I'm pricing myself out of this project. Blah, blah, blah. A lot of these projects are the are exponentially higher if you would consider like if they're going to do vinyl instead of a mural. So like, especially with a lot of these sign companies that I work with, being able to see like what that cost is, A, just for that product itself and then the installation of it and the printing aspects of everything is that that if you ever see a vinyl graphic on a wall somewhere like those are not cheap by any means so if you were to just take that in consideration when you're trying to price yourself out just know that like you are worth a good amount to do this especially by hand and to do it the way that they want it done so if you have put in the time and effort to get yourself to doing quality work and you have these decent sized projects that you know that there's going to be a lot going into it, like doing the base layers to prime these surfaces do everything to make it stand up and it's going to last longer than that vinyl. Why not charge the same amount, if not more? So with certain painting projects I've got coming up, I looked into the cost of what it would be to have this professionally done with vinyl graphics. And it's going to be close to like 140K of a, a vinyl job. Wow. So like that's one of the things like when you start looking into the ability of like what that means to be done by hand painted and it's going to last longer, look better for longer being able to withstand elements, I should be charging at least that for a painting project. And that even goes to some of the smaller stuff. It's like when you get into it, like obviously like I said, if you don't have the experience and you're like getting projects under your belt, take on the project, do it. Like my first project that I did, I did for $300. And now looking back, it'd be one that would be probably a $3,500 project. And like, I didn't realize at the time, it took me two weeks to do it. I was there for like four or five hours a day doing every detail by hand, not projecting, not doing any patterns. I wasted so much time on this. But like I said, at the end of the day, I was I had no experience. So I had nothing to show for myself of like, yes, I can get this price. And I just gradually built up my price from there the more and more that I learned. And now like I said I I'm doing things in a shorter period of time and charging more for it. Love and that. I think it's just getting to that point to where you're comfortable doing that. Yeah. It's sometimes I have this weird like thing because I'm like, okay, I know that I can do this project in just a few hours. So I'm like, who am I to charge $1,500 for it? And I'm like, oh no, the projector that I have costs $500. <laughs> the, I mean, the paint materials would be like that, maybe 100 
maybe paint can be cheap sometimes, but the brushes, like $15 for one brush, a good one. <laughs> and there's just, and then the hours behind it. So I just, sometimes I have to go back and think about all of that. And so that's just to echo your point. But I actually had never thought about looking up the vinyl cost to do this. That is so smart. How do you look up the vinyl cost? <laughs> Networking <laughs> relationships. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was like, is there like a calculator on Google that I can type this in? <laughs> so, because I've looked up that, like how much is vinyl per square foot before? And it was just a random Google answer of something like $15 per square foot. And I was yeah, like, Yeah, I mean, okay. you can look in, uh, like the most common vinyl uses by 3M. So you can look up like their pricing. I think on their website, they can go through look through different vendors and see sort of like what it costs per square foot from there. And that is a good starting point to go off of. Okay. 3M. Yeah. So like same people that make scotch tape. Okay. I'm going to do that. So like they're one of like the, the bigger vinyl producers for like vinyl graphics. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, And I will say that the uh, resources since coming on, I, I use the contract template that you have through the Academy I had to go through and reword it because there was a lot of like very specific stuff for you in there, like state of Missouri legal stuff. But I've gone through, tweaked that, and like I'm now using that on every single project. Oh, good. Okay. I feel like I'm learning a lot from you. And so I'm glad to see that you've learned from me too. <laughs> okay. Contract. So you have a contract on every single project that you do? Pretty much anything over $2,000 I do contracts for. Oh, that's a good, that's a good rule to have. Yeah, so I most of my like minimum requirement is about thousand dollars now. I do fifteen hundred dollar minimum for anything that's out of state, and then like I said anything that's of that travel related or just any other project pretty much is right around that fifteen to two thousand dollar like minimum. And then I'll I'll start doing contracts because with that contract I go through, I do a five hundred dollar design fee deposit up front that goes into the final pricing of what I quote. So. I'll do the $500 up front. And then once that design is approved, like they, if they decide that they don't want to move forward to me, then we call it at that design fee and call it a day just for that work that's been put in. And if we do move forward and then I'll go through, send them the remaining balance of the a 50% upfront deposit and then a re- the other 50% upon completion. Nice. Okay. I love to talk numbers and just know how people do this because... There's so many different ways to go about this, but it's just, okay. So actually, so with that almost $120,000 project there, we want half this year. How are you billing them for that? Is it like... 50% up front, 50% upon completion. Nice. That's a big check. Yeah. Well, a big aspect of that is like when that project comes up to where I get started on it, a lot of these other smaller projects, I'm either going to start contracting out to some other artist or I'm going to have to pass up on. Uh, just yeah. I'm not going to have the time to do them. So I've started doing that 50-50 split for those bigger projects because it's helped tremendously just cash flow in general. So anytime I have to cover the cost of a lift rental, if I'm covering all material, paint cost, travel costs for the hotel room, anything like that, I know that I'm going to go ahead and get all the expenses out of the way in that upfront 50%. And then I'm going to have that cash to carry me over until that final check comes in. I gotcha. That's smart. Plus, it also helps of being able to see how quickly they pay that initial 50% as to how quickly you're going to get paid that final 50% upon completion. Oh, that's so true, too. Yeah, because some businesses take forever and some are fairly quick. 
That's awesome. Well, it seems like you have a very good business that you've set up in not very long, really since since COVID. And I think it's so inspiring to see that you've gone so far so quickly and you can get $120,000 jobs in yeah. your first few years of doing this. If you do if you do logos and get a niche and make relationships and all of that. Yeah, I think it's, I, I'm excited to see where you are in like five years. Cause at the rate you're going, you're probably just going to have this, this whole niche down and have a fleet of artists doing it for you at this rate. That's definitely part of the goal. Um, oh, and, that's it. Okay. Yeah. So it's, I'm definitely trying to work towards that. Cause I know that, I mean, I can't be on a ladder all my life. So, but going into this has also made it to where like, I've also started a little passion project as well too. Um, that we've talked touch base briefly on some of the other calls of I'm very big into golf. And so I've started a little like side venture with doing like leather golf accessories and golf course artwork. So like that's where I've leaned into more of the passion project, knowing that the murals and the sign painting is what pays all the bills and builds up the bigger paychecks. But then I said, I I still have those passion projects and the fine art that I'm still doing on the side. Oh, I love that. A balance of both. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Okay. Oh, yeah. And so I guess that's that could be the silver lining for artists who still have that passion in there. That, hey, you know, murals can pay the bills and you can still do other things. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, that's all I have today. Um, do you have any other, anything you want to add or where can people find you? Or Yeah. So uh, Facebook and Instagram at Benefield Art. Like I said, I'm part of the Academy. I try to jump on as many of the the calls as I can. The evening calls are sometimes tough with the little one, but try to partake on those as much as I can. So I always like to try to give some input to people that need it. And I mean, I learned just as much on those as well too. Like that's where I got all the information for starting to use AI for my projects was through those calls. From so, Gareth? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was like, this is a very like good direction to learn more about. <laughs> yeah. But a good yeah, resource it's... to have. So. Yeah, it's definitely a good place to just chat and get a little bit from everybody. And I appreciate you hopping on and giving your wisdom of all the things to newer members as well. So I I really like to see you guys learning from each other. It's awesome. We're all learning. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Ryan. And I'll see you on the next call. We actually have one tonight. Are you going to be on it? Um. Again, depends on if it comes into <laughs> yeah. bath and feeding time. So <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, I'll catch you on our, one of our mastermind calls sometime. But thank you again for coming on yeah. and again, sharing your wisdom. And I'll, I'll catch you later. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Artist Academy podcast. I've been putting out at least one episode per week for more than four years on this podcast. And it's really cool to see those download numbers go up and up as time goes on. And that's because artists like you listen and share these episodes. So really... When I say thank you, I mean it. (laughs) It's really cool to see progress along the way. And anyway, if you like this type of art and business content, then I highly encourage you to get the audio version of my book, Mural Money, with over 15 hours of listening inspiration. I'm currently running a special of just $17 for the audio version. You can go to muralmoney.com to find it. And that comes with a bunch of extras like my art supply list, my pricing guide, recommended book and podcast list, 
and so much more. I filled that book with tips from my art journey of building a profitable mural career. Plus, I've included the best of the best advice from guests I've interviewed on this podcast. It's the most affordable all-in-one book of advice on art and business that I have. And if you enjoy listening to me here, then I know you'll like the book too because I read it myself all 15 hours of it. (laughs) The book is available on Amazon and Audible normally for $25, but if you go to muralmoney.com, that is where you can grab the special $17 deal while it lasts. If you haven't listened to my book yet, this is your sign to do it. Again, normally $25, running a special for $17, but you have to go to muralmoney.com. That's where you can grab the audio version of it. And that's all I have for you today. So I will see you next week for another episode of the Artist Academy podcast.